Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we will be discussing an article from the September issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled, Hunting Rights on Leased Cropland and Pastureland. To discuss the article, I'm joined today by the author, Dave Aiken, who's a Nebraska Extension Water and Agricultural Law Specialist. Thanks for joining me today, Dave. You bet, Aaron. Well, Dave, as we've entered September here, this is the time of year when hunting season gets kicked off, and their hunting's actually underway for some species of game, and many others will be having seasons open here as we move on to the fall and winter. As we think about hunting rights on leased land, there's some things that both landlords and tenants should be aware of. Share with us some of the details of how leases are written and how important it is to clarify who has the hunting rights. There are all kinds of written uh, leases out there. I'm going to divide them into two broad categories. One is one that you may get from uh, the web. You know, it may come from an extension source. It may come from some other source. A lot of times these are written by folks who are not lawyers. And so they'll be very helpful in terms of looking at different lease rent options, you know, whether it's cash lease or a crop share lease or whatever, and different ways to split expenses and and those sorts of things. You know, they're very strong on that. Uh, but there's a whole lot of legal stuff that lawyers worry about, but that, that these folks often are not uh, aware of. And, you know, hunting leases would be one of those issues. The other kind is when the landlord, you know, goes to the attorney and says, look, I'm I'm going to lease some land out. You know, can you help me get a lease put together so that, that I've got you know, so I know what my rights are and, and, and everything else. And the lawyer says, sure. And the lawyer will sit down with the landlord and, and run through a bunch of questions to find out, you know, what the landlord thinks about different options that are in the lease that, you know, some of might be the rent, but some would be stuff like hunting that the landlord may not have thought of. Then the, the lawyer will write up this lease and then uh, he will go over the lease again just with the landlord. Uh, and then when the landlord and the landlord's attorney are on the same page, then they will get together with the tenant. And then, you know, the three of them will go through the lease. And, uh, you know, the tenant can say, this looks good to me, I'll sign it. Uh, the tenant can say, you know, can I have my lawyer take a look at this? And, you know, normally the answer would be sure. Go ahead. But, you know, we want to get this wrapped up in the next week or so or whatever the deadline, uh, the date might be. With the lawyer lease, something like the hunting rights is going to be one of the issues that the lawyer is going to put on the table and, uh, you know, that they'll have to address. For example, the landlord would say, uh, no, I think I'd rather have the hunting rights myself because I've got friends that like to hunt. And, you know, there are people who have hunted and, you know, the, we, they pay us to hunt every year and, and I'd like to continue that. And so then the lease would be set up so that the landlord has the hunting rights. Well, the tenant, when he's reading the lease, uh, when he gets to this part of the paragraph that says that the landlord has the hunting rights, the tenant should ask the landlord, well, do you intend to let people hunt on this land? And if the landlord says, yes, I do, or, you know, maybe, I don't know, I haven't decided yet, the tenant might say, well, you know, my cattle or the cattle are going to be out there. You know, when these guys are hunting, my cattle get shot up. I'd like some kind of protection from that type of deal. So they could work that out as part of the lease. Tenant could say, look, if you're going to have people hunting on there, either they can't hunt until after I get my cattle off or I'm 
not going to be able to rent the pasture this year. The point I'm trying to make is that this is something that should be on the table and negotiated up front, you know, between the landlord and the tenant so that they know what everybody wants with this. But a lot of leases, of course, are handshake leases. And about the only thing they talk about maybe was, you know, how are we going to do the rent and, and that. And so they're very informal. Hunting probably never comes up. And one of the things that most people uh, who are not lawyers understand, don't understand about leases is that when land is leased, as far as the law, property rights, and the courts are concerned, is that unless there's a written lease that, that limits what the tenant can do with the land, you know, during the period of the lease, the tenant has the same rights in the property that the landlord would. And in fact, during the lease, the landlord is giving those rights up. And one of those rights, of course, would be the right to have somebody hunt uh, or allow someone to hunt or to sell the rights to hunt. Most landlords, I think, are surprised to find out that, especially on a handshake deal, unless they've talked about it and come to some sort of agreement about hunting, that the tenant has the hunting rights until the lease is up. And then when the lease is up, you know, the hunting rights will go back to the landlord. Now, we've got kind of a funny deal on the uh, uh, pasture leases uh, because, you know, crop leases are 12-month, typically, uh, unless they come up with a written lease that says it's for less than 12 months. But uh, the, the typical cropland lease would be 12 months. And so, you know, that's going to cover the hunting season for sure. But with a pasture lease, that typically runs from May to October. And May to October is kind of the general framework for a pasture lease in Nebraska, at least as, as far as I understand. And so if you're talking about a tenant's hunting rights during a pasture lease, let's say it's May 1st to October 1st, after October 1st, you know, the, the tenant might have the rights from May 1st to October 1st, but uh, that's only going to cover a small part of the uh, fall hunting season, you know, the lease is going to be up in October, typically sometime in October. The hunting rights are going to go beyond that October uh, framework. So ideally, there'll be discussion and, and the landlord and the tenant are on the same page. Uh, but if they don't, the, the legal default position is that the tenant has the hunting rights, but only for the period of the lease. And so if the lease is a handshake pasture lease, it's uh, May 1st to October 1st or in that neighborhood, that's got, that may vary a little bit from, you know, where you are in Nebraska. Uh, but in general terms, it May 1st to October 1st. And, you know, after that is finished, then the land goes back to the landlord and the landlord has the hunting rights. So, you know, the hunting rights between May and October May not be it may not be that long of a season and uh, uh, but anyways it's just good to know uh, what the options are and how these legal rules can come into play if the landlord and the tenant uh, haven't communicated about this up front. So Dave, let's just talk a little more about the pasture lease agreement or crop lease agreement. We're really talking here about cash rent agreements where the tenant is paying the landlord so much per acre. It would be different if we were thinking about uh, someone renting pasture on a prepare basis or on a crop share basis. Is that correct? Um, in terms of the season? Well, in terms of the access to the land. So if we're renting ground on a per acre basis, does that look any different than if I'm renting on a per cow-calf pair basis or on a crop share arrangement? For pasture leases, 
if it's so much per acre or if it's so much for a cow calf pair, if if it's a cow calf pair, is the they're going to be out there twelve months out of the year, right? Well, I was thinking about a summer lease, thinking about if I rented the grass from somebody and I said, I'm going to bring you 50 cow-calf pairs for the summer. They're going to be there May through October. I'm going to pay you so much per pair per month. I'm paying based on the grass that's there. Have I actually leased the hunting rights if I'm just paying on a per pair per month basis? Yeah. If you've leased a pasture on a handshake, it's, you know, you've, you've got it. It's, it's like it's a six-month crop lease. Uh, in essence, except that the crop is being harvested by the cattle and the crop is the pasture. But I haven't seen anything to indicate that a partial year lease would transfer less of a basic lease right to the tenant than a annual or longer uh, lease period would. So that's why we've got this kind of, you know, unusual situation where the tenant might have the hunting rights for part of the hunting season and the landlord would have the hunting rights for the rest of the hunting season. Uh, and, and uh, that would not probably meet with either one of their best guesses of who had the hunting rights going into the deal. So I guess I maybe should clarify a little bit here as I think about this. So there's no difference legally from a rental agreement that's on a cash rent where I write a check to the, landowner versus a per pair per month basis where I'm paying so much per cow-calf pair. Uh, If the grass is gone, the cows come home versus if I I have control of that land, whether it rains or not. There's no difference legally between those two? No. The the only difference... A potential difference would be in terms of the lease duration. And, but if it's, if you're looking at the same, you know, May to October timeframe, then, you know, that's the important thing. And what kind of a lease it is, doesn't make any difference from a legal standpoint. Here we're looking about the, what's the time frame for the lease and how does that correspond to these hunting, you know, seasons. I assume that also applies the same then for a crop share arrangement. If we're on a, say, one-third, two-thirds of a crop share where the tenant gets two-thirds of the crop and the landlord gets one-third of the crop, does that mean that the hunting rights also then go to the tenant who gets two-thirds of the crop share? My interpretation would be that the tenant has the hunting rights on a crop land lease. You know, that's a 12-month lease and doesn't matter what the rent arrangement is, whether it's cash or share or what the shares might be. It's an annual lease and the tenant would have the hunting rights unless they agree that the landlord has the hunting rights or unless there's a written lease that says that the landlord has the hunting rights. But if the lease doesn't say anything about hunting rights, which would be pretty common, then that's going to go to the tenant for the period of the lease. Well, Dave, I think this is really good information because I think the, some of the things you highlighted here are probably things that many landlords and tenants don't think about or haven't talked through. Obviously, for many folks, they want that lease agreement to be a long-term situation where both the landlord and tenant are hopefully happy about what's happening there. So really communication on this, as well as other land issues related to leasing, really should be thought through and communicated and a written agreement can help mitigate some of those miscommunications. Absolutely. The thing that I worry about the most is somebody that says, oh, great, I've got the hunting rights on this lease until October 1st. My friends are going to come and, and hunt and stuff, and the landlord doesn't know. The landlord finds out about it. The landlord is very unhappy. Tenant doesn't get the lease renewed. And uh, so 
even if the tenant has the right in the law for the hunting rights, I would always advise the tenant to talk with the landlord. And if the landlord has reservations about it, don't do it unless you don't care about losing the lease. If you don't care about losing the lease, then, you know, do what you want. But my advice is to your money ahead to keep on the landlord's good side if you can do that. And good communication is uh, really important to getting that done. And your point about the written leases is really good because most folks, unless they had been through something like this before, would have no idea about all the things that might come into a written lease and uh, things that you never think about until there's a problem. Then when there's a problem, then you kind of, you know, try to muddle through as best you can, but not really knowing what the legal situation might be. A lot of times, you know, good communication, you can work work through these things and, you know, it's, you don't need a lawyer to straighten it out, but it's nice having everybody on the same page in the beginning, because then these things aren't surprises and you don't have to kind of scramble to figure out what are we going to do to deal with this problem. Anything else you'd like to add, Dave, as we point towards wrapping this up? I know some folks are hesitant to to consult attorneys, but I think if the landlord is concerned about the cost of it, you know, talk with the lawyer up front and says, you know, how much is it going to cost me to have this lease written? And the lawyer, if he wants your business, he'll give you a ballpark, he or she, I should say. And something like that is a good investment because you can, you set a good foundation. You're going into it knowing more what some of the, what are the things that might trip you up. Uh, You've tried to address that in advance. And so it's a great communication uh, device. And if something does come up, you can pull out the lease and say, oh yeah, I remember that, that the lease says this. And I remember when we talked about that. So yeah, that's what we do. And unless you've got a lot better memory than I have, you know, it's really helpful to have that, have that stuff uh, in black and white. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Dave. My pleasure. For more information on the article, Hunting Rights on Leased Cropland and Pastureland, please see the September issue of the Beef Watch newsletter, which is available at beef.unl.edu.